0: Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is the Tuesday, May 12th, 2020 episode. I'm Andrew Hansen here with Shane Caldwell. And wait a minute, it's not Shane Caldwell, actually. It's Shane Dwayne Haskins Caldwell. Hey, Shane, Dwayne, we got a game going on here on the field. You got to come out
1: here and take a snap. I have to capture this moment. I beat the Lions. I finally won an NFL game, and I have made it to the top of the league I'm gonna be the best quarterback now because I finally won a game against the Detroit Lions. And I have to field, this moment. Man. I'm gonna take selfies with the fans. I'm not worried about the game. What are you talking about? Get out there and take a knee. Finish no. off your first victory in style. That's why we got Case Keenum. He's a, he, he's a high character guy. He likes to take knees. I, I like to take selfies. Oh,
0: oh boy! <laughs> wow, there it is. Shane Dwayne Haskins Caldwell just. <laughs> off with the fans taking selfies, celebrating his first victory. And that pretty much sums it up for the Washington squad last year, doesn't it? A 3-13 a, a team and their first-round pick, uh, Haskins gets his first victory, and uh, it's a little bit discombobulated, so he wasn't even out there on the field to take that final snap.
1: Yeah, yeah. so this team was uh, – they struggled uh, on offense, and Dwayne Haskins – yeah, I mean, he really only played one full year at Ohio State, and he was kind of on fire that year. But he was kind of questionable coming in, and the guy was just horrible in terms of accuracy and just a complete, uh, just a complete disaster when I mean, he's on the field. This offense is ranked third; was ranked 32nd points. They only scored like 16 points a game. So I mean in terms of fantasy you really have to dig to try to find something good in this offense. Um luckily they made some moves uh and a lot of good changes coming up but yeah 3 and 13 season obviously not a good team at all. Really bad for fantasy. A team that you could target their defense as well. Um and there's big a lot of big changes coming up that we'll talk about and we will find some hidden gems in, in this uh in this sea of uh you know polluted water here. <laughs> that oh sea- it's
0: it is a real mess, uh, but there have been some big changes, so we'll get into those. Thank you all for tuning in today here for DFS Coach Talk as we continue our 32-day virtual tour around the NFL. We just wrapped up the NFC North yesterday, so now we transition to the NFC East, and we're starting at the bottom of the division with Washington. They finished 3-13, and uh, so... Uh, If you're new to to the program, you can check us out at DFSCoachTalk.com. We offer weekly, monthly, and yearly memberships, and we focus on the NFL, NBA, and MLB, and we're even covering the KBO, the Korea Baseball Organization. We give daily uh, advice to our members on the KBO, and our memberships are frozen, so you're really not paying for that KBO advice, so come check us out, uh, DFSCoachTalk.com. But Shane, we have uh, a tall order here. We need to try to make sense of the mess that is in Washington. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about football. You know, yeah. it's a mess. It's a mess everywhere down there. Um, but they do have some new leadership. They've got Ron Rivera now, new head coach, coming over from Carolina, where he had a, a 5.46 winning percentage. And you referenced the poor defense of the Vikings. I'm sorry of the of Washington last year, and that's where I want to start because it was a, a group that you could really target. They were 31st against the run. They gave up 2,300 yards rushing. Um, they gave up over 27 points a game. They were 27th in that category. Uh, they gave up over 6,000 yards. 27th in that category. So across the board, very poor. But thankfully, they've got new defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, who was just under 500 as a coach in the NFL, but he has been excellent as a defensive coordinator. In his four years as a DC, check this out for uh, league numbers in terms of yardage. Okay, His teams against the run, they, they were top 10 all four years he's been a defensive coordinator, and they were top 10 against the pass In three of the four years, he was a coordinator. So uh, everybody in Washington has to be very excited about Jack Del Rio. But uh, again, they've only got so much to work with in terms of personnel. So what do you think the chances are that Washington can improve its defense this year?
1: Yeah, well, I've been studying this team. It took a lot of caffeine just to stay awake, you know, to focus, <laughs> uh, just to make sure I could focus on some of this stuff. And this team actually made a lot of changes. That's been the theme, uh, NFL year-to-year, a lot of changes. Can't necessarily take just 2019 and translate it to 2020. So I expect to bounce back from this defense. They're not going to be elite level. You can still probably attack them at DFS. But there's some interesting things that happen happened in the offseason with the uh, pers- personnel and coaching staff that's going to change their philosophies, and it's going to change how we attack them in DFS. So yeah, they were they gave up uh, almost 6,200 yards total, uh, 18th in passing, 31st in run, and they were gave up a lot of points, 20, oh, like you said, over 27 points on uh, defense. Now, with I love Jack Del Rio. I love Ron Rivera for, uh, for coaching these guys up on defense and improving the team. Uh, He brought in some of the guys that know the defense and a great coordinator. Like you said, those are great statistics on Jack Del Rio. They're going to switch from a three, four to a four, three. And I think that they have the personnel to do that. So when you look at this defensive front, I expect them to go this defense from a bottom of the bottom of the barrel type team up to probably a middle of the pack, uh, middle to uh, uh, late middle round. Uh, for uh, in terms of rankings Uh, so when we're looking at this defensive front when we're running the uh, 4-3 I really like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne as the defensive tackles and then they'll have as a defensive end a combination of Ryan Kerrigan Chase Young who everyone knows is gonna is gonna be a superstar and Montez Sweat who was another young guy who was a star last year he played really good so when you have those guys and then they brought in Thomas Davis in the middle linebacker spot who is very familiar with the system. He's going to be a leader. They still have John Bostick at the linebacker spot, uh, some younger offense out, outside linebackers. Now the secondary, you think, you know, you know, who the heck do they even have in the secondary is kind of what I was thinking that they lost, uh, you know, the guy that was there uh, forever was uh, Norman. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Norman. Yep, Yeah. He's uh, with the bills now, I think. Anyways, he was, starting, he was getting torched. He got pinched last year anyway, so he was really bad. But what, what I do like from the corners, uh, they got uh, Kendall Fuller is one of their top free agents. He was with the Super Bowl-winning uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who played really well down the stretch last year. They got Ronald Darby, who was known for not being great with the Eagles, but he actually played decent last year as well, and Fabian Monroe, uh, Moreau. Uh, they also have Dominique Rogers camardi he's kind of a veteran. So I think they have a decent secondary. And then another thing that they did the prior year in free agency is they got Landon Collins, uh, high-priced free agent safety. So they have good safety. So if you look at the improvement, the defensive coordinator, the personnel they have for this system, I will expect them to be an improved defense in uh, a defense that you can attack, but it's not going to be uh, something you attack all the time. That's not going to be as easy. Um, so just similar to the theme, some of the other teams that I broke down, I believe the coaching philosophy and the personnel of this team will be, they want to play better defense, slow the game down and run the ball, uh, especially being that they don't have a great quarterback. Um, so that's going to be the theme that we're going to talk about here, uh, once again, which hey, it seems to be a theme in the NFL. You're getting a lot of these teams that are going back to old school football.
0: That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about that power rushing attack with the Packers, um, and, and here's the thing for me with Rivera. The other point I wanted to make is that when he took over in Carolina, they had a bad defense that first year. And then it really jumped up that second year. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's a similar pattern here in Washington as he and Del Rio get to know the players, get to institute that 4-3 system, uh, you know, make a couple personnel changes in year two, and then really take off. So I do think it's – Very likely going to be a strong target for us offensively in DFS to attack these guys, but definitely wouldn't be surprised if they get up maybe towards the lower 20s in in rankings. But uh, could could take a couple years for them to really uh, get to the point that Rivera has in mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a slight concern with them having not as much of an offseason with a new coaching staff. Normally, a new coaching staff would be able to start their OTAs and their training sessions earlier in the spring to give them an advantage to acclimate the players to a new system. And now they can't do that. So that puts them at a disadvantage right there. That's why he brought in some of these guys uh, like Thomas Davis that played in the system before because they would be like a coach on the field. Uh, but yeah, I expect the defense to improve. But yeah, they're definitely not a defense that you're scared of to attack and you could you could still attack guys it's just don't expect them to be just complete pushovers like they were last year because I think they are going to be better and they do have playmaking ability so I think it's a defense that uh you know could actually have a couple good good games where in terms of getting a lot of sacks and you know fumbles and you know and possibly even interceptions that type of thing because those some of those guys I mentioned you know Chase Young and Landon Collins and uh Uh, Kendall Fuller I mean these guys are playmakers so they do have a little bit of juice there uh, on defense but yeah not not anyone that you would have to steer away from but I expect them to be pretty tough defense though
0: all right well on the offensive side it really wasn't much better last year the offense was uh, 16 points a game which was dead last Um, they were dead last in passing yardage 2,800 yards and not much better rushing the ball. 1,583 yards. They were 22nd in that category. Only scored nine times on the ground. That was 26th. And here's how you can kind of encapsulate the Washington season last year in terms of points. Basically, on defense, they gave up three touchdowns a game. And on offense, they only scored one and a half touchdowns a game. So it was just a really a bad combination. They squeaked out three wins by a total of 12 points. So just a a real poor team overall, and uh, we'll see about the changes. On offense, the coordinator is Scott Turner. I'm not quite as excited about that hire, uh, but Rivera certainly putting trust in Turner after they were together in Carolina. He was the quarterback's coach last year down there. What do you think about Turner as the offensive coordinator uh, in the position to try to get the most out of this quarterback group that is really not that exciting.
1: I think uh, Turner's not bad in terms of uh, using the talent they have to get, to get these guys open and to uh, produce a good running game. Uh, Turner should be able to hopefully work with Kyle Allen or Dwayne Haskins to improve them a little bit. Uh, Cause they obviously have a lot of improvement uh, to, to be had there. Uh, he had some decent years in Minnesota developing Teddy uh, Bridgewater early in his career, uh, some decent years with him. As a quarterbacks coach and he had some decent years with Cam Newton as well, trying to develop Cam Newton after he came back from injuries. Uh, So I think, you know, he's not bad. The problem with the offense is they didn't make that many offseason changes in terms of free agents. Or in the draft that were huge splashes. They did add a few playmakers that we'll talk about, though. Uh, so yeah, I think the offense will be slightly better. But with that being said, they were really, really bad. So I don't see as big of improvement there, but uh, slight a slight improvement. And if the defense is a little bit uh, better, uh, you know that that's going to help them as well. Uh, maybe they'll be able to run the ball because they, they do have a pretty solid offensive line i think that if brandon sharif the off the guard pro bowl guard can stay healthy i think they have a really good uh pretty solid offensive line so they can run the ball at you and kind of slow the game down and, and like i said being the, with the talent they have that's what they're going to want to do and then they have a couple guys that can be uh, home run hitters uh like the the new guy we'll talk about uh, obviously they have terry mclaurin and uh, the new guy uh, Gibson there. So we'll talk about those guys. So they have a couple of interesting players, but overall still looks like a pretty bad offense. And it, you have to target specific players in certain situations, um, but you have to basically proceed with caution here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really do. And it's funny how you talk about the that focus on defense and running the ball and kind of, you know, slowing down the clock, shortening the game. This is one of the problems with Washington's offense last year. Is they just didn't get on the field very much. They only ran 885 plays. Most teams ran over 1,000. So uh, the defense was bad. They were using a slow pace, running the ball a lot, trying to keep the game close. And these quarterbacks didn't really get many opportunities to throw the ball down the field. So uh, that's where we need to start, though, is with the quarterback group uh, – Case Keenum is gone, so they've got Dwayne Haskins, and then they traded a fifth-rounder to pick up Kyle Allen from Carolina. So first question is, who do you think is going to win the starting job?
1: Okay, so you look at this, they're pretty much going to install the Carolina offensive scheme that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner just came from. Uh, So with installing that scheme, and you look at the shortened offseason, Kyle Allen definitely has the upper hand. Also, the fact that uh, Dwayne Haskins was horrible last year in terms of uh, you know his completion percentage, I think it was uh, was it 58% or something like that. Uh, just horrible yes. in terms of his completion percentage and just throwing throwing the ball over guys' heads. Uh, you know Dwayne Haskins is actually not that mobile of a quarterback. Like he looks like he'd be like a Cam Newton type guy, but he's not. Uh, so he's a pure kind of pocket passer, and he just was horrible at passing as well, right? So so he's not really a threat in the run in the run game. Uh, he's not that mobile and he wasn't accurate as a quarterback for passing. So it's not a good combination where Kyle Allen's more of a game manager knows the system. Uh, he didn't have a great year uh, through a lot of uh, interceptions, but there were, he did have a few good games. He had 62% completion percentage and he's threw for over 3,300 yards. So he does know how to manage this offense and try to use some of the weapons, the new weapons they have. So I expect Kyle Allen to have the upper hand, and he's a guy that uh, you might be able to target again if he's near the minimal price, if he's a quarterback that's $4,500 on DraftKings, something like that, or maybe $6,000 on FanDuel. He's a guy that you might be able to target if you feel like it's a good game script. But like you mentioned, the Redskins, they slow the game down. Uh, even on games where other teams were dominating them, the other teams would just run against them and run the clock out. So it wasn't a good game script because there wasn't enough offensive firepower. Uh, to go back and forth and create a shootout uh, for good DFS production. So, yeah, so they, they just play ugly. They obviously got, you know, got beat. But even if they improve, they're still going to play ugly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I agree. I, I think Kyle Allen will be the leader in the clubhouse just with the f- familiarity with the coaches in the system. And he certainly showed more as a passer. You mentioned over 3,000 yards. He passed for 2,000 more yards than Haskins last year yes he started five more games but he just got a lot more attempts a lot more yardage Uh, he had three games with at least three touchdowns he had four games over 20 fantasy points and you mentioned his price you know he a few of those games he actually paid off value he he averaged 15 DraftKings points per game so a lot of those weeks he was giving you 3x return not too bad but if you look at if you look at Haskins he only, uh, like I said, they were 28th and pass attempts as a team. He only attempted 25 passes per start. He, he played in nine games, but only started seven. Um, and so he had seven starts, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, just, he didn't do much. Um, you know, nine, so he had two fumbles, which makes nine turnovers. So he wasn't terrible, uh, you know, taking care of the ball, you, you might think that he would have had more turnovers on a team that's 3-13. and 13. He wasn't awful in that category, but just didn't have any sort of a ceiling with the amount of passes that they attempted. He only had three games over 10 fantasy points and only one over 20. So uh, just a real rough uh, initial campaign for Haskins. And I, I, I think it'll be a challenge for him to beat out Allen, get onto the field.
1: Yeah, I think that it could be a situation where if they get into the middle of the season and the team only has a couple wins and they don't really have anything to play for, they may give Haskins another chance. Uh, this offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, does have a reputation for improving you know, young quarterbacks and helping them out, like I said, with Ted, he, what he did with Teddy Bridgewater. So being that Haskins is still a first-round pick and he has uh, a lot of talent still, Um, if they can improve his passing accuracy and his uh, command of the offense, he might get a chance towards the end of the year. Um, And he has a couple more weapons because to his defense, I mean, if you're comparing him to Kyle Allen from last year, Kyle Allen had Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, you know, uh, Curtis Samuel. He had weapons, you know, to throw to where, you know, who did, who did uh, Dwayne Haskins have to throw to Terry McLaurin? And he was getting double teamed and shaded by the safety and uh, Dwayne Haskins would just throw it over his head <laughs> to see like every time they tried to target him. So it was just ugly. But he didn't have that many weapons. Uh, Darius Geis was injured, didn't have the running game going. So that's, you know, to his defense, he's they're not done with him yet. They're going to still give him another chance at some point. But, yeah, so far it hasn't looked good. So you hope that you can see improvement from him and that he has a chance.
0: That is a great point. Haskins really didn't have much in terms of weapons. Uh, let's talk about the candidates for you know, establishing themselves as a weapon in the NFL. And it is a bit of a rotation of, of the cast here. We've got some changes. Uh, Chris Thompson and Wendell Smallwood, two of the third down backs, they're gone now. Paul Richardson, one of the wide receivers, who was out there for uh, 43% of the snaps, he's gone. And then the tight end group is going to be different. Longtime Washington players, Um, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are are gone. Reed's still looking for another contract. Davis has retired. So up and down the board, there's opportunity here for change. So uh, as I started to break these guys down, I just was, as you said, sort of needing caffeine to get through it uh, and find something to get excited about. But I want to start with a rookie. You, You referenced him earlier, Antonio Gibson. This is the guy that they drafted with the second pick in the third round out of Memphis. And he's a guy that's going to bring a little bit of excitement, and it's going to be fun to talk about him. He's a very unique weapon. How do you think he's going to fit into the offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy is – they're going to find ways to get him the ball. This guy is the true Swiss Army knife. Uh, We were trying to think of a comparison for him, and the closest thing we come up with is a Cordell Patterson. Just get the guy the ball. You can get him ball in the return game, the run game. You can line up up at the slot. You can line him up, up in the backfield. He can catch the ball. He did everything at Memphis. Uh, not a lot of volume, but this guy at Memphis last year, in terms of his yards per uh, you know per opportunity, uh, whether it's catching, uh, I have that here somewhere. Let me grab that stat.
0: Uh, yeah, he was 19.3 yards per reception, and he was yeah. eleven.
1: 11.2 yards per carry yeah so it's 15.6 yard you know yards per uh for per, per target or per you know per carry so uh yeah per play so that was just huge uh this guy was an absolute uh dynamite playmaker uh and he's uh he i was surprised at his size he has a little over six foot 228 pounds so the guy's big as well he's and uh he's running a four three nine forty three nine40. His RAS score, which is a relative athletic score, was elite at the elite level, uh, 9.39 out of 10, uh, so among the best. So this is the guy that they're gonna. I can see using on special teams, using on a lot of jet sweeps and causing a lot of misdirection, a lot of issues there, catching balls out of the backfield, lining up in the slot for for mismatches. He's gonna do everything. He's gonna be a jack of all trades. Uh, I think they're considering him a running back, so they might just give him the balls a... Running back at times as well. So, yeah. So it makes it interesting. It kind of muddles the rest of the positions though, because if you're trying to target a receiver, are you thinking that this guy's going to get the big play instead of, you know, a Terry McLaurin or one of these other receivers? If you're trying to target running back, you worry is is this guy going to get the the rushing some of the big rushing plays instead? So it makes it really tricky, and you don't think he's not going to get that much volume. So you're just relying on those like four or five plays where he's going to try to hit a home run. Uh, so. Yeah. Tricky.
0: Yeah, volume is one of the key words with him. Uh just sort of incredible that he was that productive per touch last year at Memphis, but he only got seventy-one touches. And you know, you mentioned the big playability. He had 33 broken tackles last year on only 71 touches. So get the ball in his hands and big things can happen. You know, so no no wonder you get some of these comparisons to home run hitters. And in, in fact, Rivera's even talked about him in the same breath as Christian McCaffrey. So they are definitely going to give him the ball and scheme up ways to take advantage of that nice combination of strength and speed. So we know he's going to get some touches out of the backfield. What do you think about the rest of the running back group? Because uh, there's a lot of guys here who are going to be fighting for touches.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got the old head in uh, Adrian Peterson, 30, uh, you know, 35, He's going to be at least like 35 years old. He had almost 900 rushing yards last, last year. I mean, they gave him a lot of volume. He had, he has some decent fantasy games, uh, but you know, not anything with big upside. Like he was like a cash game type play. He was like a lot of like 18 point games and 17 point games in the teens. Uh, But yeah, because he's so old and he's so limited, it's just he's not something you get excited about. You know, he does get some red zone carries because he's still a tough physical threat. He had five touchdowns last year. Not, not really excited about Adrian Peterson. Uh, I am excited about Dice. I mean, he has the two question marks: is can he stay healthy, which has been his major issue, and can he handle? Can they handle his personality and his immaturity? He's had some, uh, you know, off the field issues, some character issues. Now, if they can get all that under control. I think they have a good offensive line. Darius Geis is a star. He showed that last year against Ron Rivera and the Carolina Panthers. He put up 30 drafting points uh, that week against Carolina. So he showed this upside. So I like Darius Geis and I'd be willing to take some, uh, I'd take the risk on Darius Geis because of his upside and his elite talent. He was absolute tear at uh, LSU in terms of being fast and physical a physical downhill runner just punish people uh and he's fast and explosive he's got good vision uh so if this guy can stay healthy i love darius geist and then from there you're just going to have you know guys like jd mckissick and antonio gibson rotating in and a lot of these guys that are going to be pass catch type role Uh, but darius geist is a guy that we have to keep an eye on and, and could be in for big things but it's a big if if he can keep it together
0: yeah, you mentioned Geis, and he had that great game against Carolina when he put up 30.7 fantasy points, 10 carries for 129 and two scores. So he certainly made a good first impression on Rivera. Um, and then Peterson, you, you mentioned how he just sticking around. It kind of reminds me of the, the movie Rounders and Teddy KGB. He says, kids got alligator blood, can't get rid of him.
1: And <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, yeah. that's
0: the quote I think of. I mean, Peterson is just, you know, he won't go away. 35 years old, 14,000 yards, over 100 touchdowns. Uh, just amazing how he's still able to get out there and, as you mentioned, get almost 900 yards. Last year, he was really their go-to guy in terms of getting the workload. 13 of the 15 games, he had more than 10 carries. So, uh, you know, on site like FanDuel, where you're just looking more for the yardage and getting in the end zone, uh, that'll be important to see if he gets a similar role like that, or maybe Geis can actually stay healthy and and get that opportunity. The third guy that will will try to get some early down work is Peyton Barber. I'm I'm not excited about him coming over from Tampa. Uh, he got over 150 carries last year, but only 470 yards, 3.1 per carry he got in the end zone six times he only caught 16 passes and he only had two real strong games and those were against terrible rush defenses one was Carolina one was Jacksonville so he's just not a guy who does much outside of the perfect matchup so I think it's more likely that Peterson or Geis will get those early down carries and then JD McKissick this guy is there has there ever been a running back that's been more talked about in fantasy who's played for four years and only scored four touchdowns?
1: Yeah, he played for the Lions last year, and he was forced into action because we had so many injuries at running back. So uh, you know Daryl Bubble would get him open on little screen passes. and you know he caught some good he actually caught some pretty good passes as a receiving back last year. They used him. Um but the problem is is they would try to run him, and he's kind of small the first like guy that even got a fingertip on him he would go down he couldn't break any tackles so he's a true you know scat back he is a pretty good receiver but yeah i can't see him he's gonna he's gonna make up for uh you know Chris uh is it uh, Chris Thompson I'm trying to yeah, yeah Chris Thompson you know so he left a void there in that passing game so JD mckissick will fill some of that void but I don't expect to get enough volume. And as you mentioned, Peyton Barber's just kind of blah. He's kind of like an insurance policy, being that Adrian Peterson is like 80 years old and Darius Geis is a huge injury risk. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the insurance policy, right? Uh, and then you got Antonio Gibson, who's the jack of all trades, who's going to be dynamic. So that's the problem is you got all these guys. It's hard to tell exactly what the snap counts are going to be and what the share is going to be for carries. But if I had to guess, if they're looking to win, I think they ride Darius Geis into uh, – Know and try to get him 55 to 60 percent snap share and hopefully a lot of uh, quite a few carries in there and actually see if he can handle the volume because that's what they're going to have to do, he's the only high upside guy they have. Uh, and then the other guy just to keep an eye on in the watch list is Bryce Love, guy they drafted a few years ago, got injured right away, was on IR all last year. But he's an undersized guy, but he's an elite speed guy, very fast and dynamic. So it's another guy that if they like him, if he can stay healthy. If they scheme to get him in space, he, he is uh, dangerous as a, a playmaker there. But we'll see. He, he's he's got a tall uphill battle with all these players they have. Uh, so so yeah, the running back room is kind of a question mark. A lot of stuff going on there. But again, you got to look at Jake. Uh, you got to like Darius Darius uh, Darius Geis if you think he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and you know one more reference to Chris Thompson because that's a guy that I've always had confidence in, and. In only 11 games last year, he caught 42 passes for almost 400 yards, nine yards per catch. And McKissick seems like he'll have a shot to take a lot of that work. Uh, 34 catches last year, 6.9 per reception, and an 81% catch rate. So maybe, just maybe, if he can stay healthy and start to finish, have a real shot at that third down rule, uh, maybe he'll finally pay off. But I, I do think Antonio Gibson's going to have a lot to say about that. And that that may, might be the one problem. Uh, he and McKissick might, uh, you know, vulture touches from each other. So,
1: yeah. And I think Geist did have a receiving touchdown last year. He did get a lot of volume. I mean, he didn't have that much playing time in general, but Geist can actually catch some of those screen passes that they used to set up for like the Christian McCaffrey type plays. Uh, being that he's big and, and, and he's explosive still, he's still probably one of the fastest guys out there uh, when he's healthy. So yeah, so he'll be he'll be in the mix uh, for the passing game as well. And obviously Adrian Peterson will not be probably catching any passes. He's not that type of player. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting running back room. But there's a couple guys that you have to keep a close eye on and try to figure out. And hopefully uh, hopefully we see something from uh, Darius Geis because he's the guy that's the target if if, if they can uh, actually keep him playing time and stay healthy, you know.
0: All right, well, let's transition to the wide receiver group, and I'm going to let you take the lead on this. This group is still causing me pain from week three. They were That was the game where they played against the Bears. It was a primetime game, and I put together some terrific showdown lineups. I had mm-hmm. uh, T- uh, Taylor Gabriel as my captain. He went, he went for three touchdowns. And then I had Terry McLaurin, who had a very strong game. And then the problem is I went with Trey Quinn, instead of Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn had five catches for 30 yards that night. If I had just placed Paul Richardson in there who caught eight balls for 83 and a score, I would have taken the showdown down for 200 grand instead. Yeah. Mm. Instead I finished in like 35th place, which was like 700 bucks. So, you know, one of those just one for one swaps where it just could have been and I'll, I'll never forget it. So, I you know I'm I'm a little bit frustrated with this group uh, and I made the wrong the wrong selection there. Trey Quinn was actually higher priced than Richardson that day. So one more one more lesson where if you leave a little bit more on the table in a showdown slate, you know, you can really differentiate yourself, get a unique lineup and and win the whole thing. So Yeah, um, that's
1: a good point. Uh, yeah, I mean that shows you right there the showdown slates how how crazy they are that you're forced you're forced to play Washington Redskins guys, right? Mm-hmm. for last year, but uh, yeah, Trey Quinn was supposed to be a guy that they really liked in camp last year as a great slot receiver. He was supposed to have a productive kind of be like PPR type guy and he couldn't stay healthy and he just never produced when he was on the field. So Paul Richardson was kind of like a a boomer bust type guy, you know, he had a couple good games, but for the most part, he was pretty bad too. Now, Terry McLaurin was a guy that I was on way early, uh, right after they drafted him. I thought they got a great deal. I think they drafted him like the third round. No one was talking about him last year. Uh, I drafted him in a season-long league with the final pick of the draft, the 17th round, and he went on to start for me all year, and he was a star. So by far uh, one of the best receivers in last year's class and a guy that no one saw coming uh, that I did target DFS and uh, hit on a couple of those big games where uh, where no one expected it early in the year, and he was obviously super cheap. So Terry McLaurin is going to continue to get better, and he is – he is reaching elite level uh, wide receiver potential here, uh, so I expect big things from him. In only 14 games last year in a really bad offense, he was targeted a ton, 93 times, but he only caught 58 balls. Like I said, if you if you watch when Dwayne Haskins was throwing to him, and Terry McLaurin's a pretty tall guy, he's pretty good size. Sometimes the ball was like three, four feet over his head when he were, when he was throwing to him. It was just ridiculous the accuracy. So that wasn't Terry McLaurin's fault. He actually did better with Case Keenum, who had a little bit of accuracy, right? But he caught 58 balls for 919 yards with an average of almost 16 yards per catch and seven touchdowns. So the guy is an absolute stud playmaker, and he's going to be their go-to guy. And I I look for big things from him in this offense, uh, so he's a good target. We'll see where his pricing is. His pricing should be pretty reasonable. Uh, and then the other guy who came on late in the year, who is that deep, deep sleeper is Steven Sims Jr. This is a guy that didn't even know if they, he was going to make the roster. Uh, he was kind of a special teams guy returning kicks. And he just worked his way up the wide receiver depth chart. And the last three, uh, last three games of the season, he was the starting uh, slot receiver. He's got good, you know, four or five speed. Uh, and he had a couple uh, big games here. Uh, I think it was, let me see if I wrote down the... Uh, games for him uh the last three games of the season sorry i just got to find those uh stats here i don't know why i'm not seeing them
0: yeah it was against philly the
1: giants and the cowboys okay i got it right here so and uh he finished the season drafting points 25 18 and 15 points now keep in mind this guy was as low priced as 3600 on DraftKings. He was in the 3600 to 4700 range. So he was the type of guy that if you identified that, now you probably saw a lot of people saw that first game where he, he popped off and scored a touchdown, and like, yeah, this that was just a fluke. But it really wasn't a fluke. Uh, early in the season, he had one game where they gave him an end around against the Saints, and he took it to the house for like 63 yards for a touchdown. So he's got that type of speed and athleticism. He's explosive. Uh, so I think he's going to actually be starting slot receiver. And I think with Kyle Allen, I, I, I picture Steven Sims as like the Curtis Samuel role in that uh, Carolina offense from last year. Well, he'll catch quite a bit of balls and get some and be a playmaker as well. He's got some speed, uh, a little bit smaller guy, but uh, really explosive. So I think that he's a good sleeper because no one's really thinking about Steven Jr. Yeah, if you look at last year, you see he came on late, but I think a lot of people probably already forgot about that. Um, so it's not a guy that's on a lot of people's radar there.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it. He really took advantage of that opportunity down the stretch. Trey Quinn didn't play those last four games, and Sims jumped up and had 20 catches over those last four weeks. So uh, he really finished hot. And then uh, two other guys to mention. Cody Latimer's in town now. He's a six-year veteran. He had career highs last year with the Giants, but they weren't that high. 24 catches, 300 yards, only two scores. And then Kelvin Harmon, who's another guy who caught 30 balls for Washington, it's like they had four guys who basically had two receptions per game. And he only averaged 12.2 yards per catch and didn't get in the end zone. So um, we've got those two guys. And we also have a fourth-round draft pick, Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. His numbers are a little bit more exciting as they are in college, but two straight years with 10 touchdowns and two straight years with 70 catches and over a thousand yards. So out of Gandy, Golden, Latimer and Harmon, do you think any of those guys will make an impact this year? Well,
1: Harmon is more of a a physical kind of a he's good in the blocking game he's good at like short passes he's more of a possession receiver so i don't look at him for doing anything in like the daily fantasy world for he doesn't really have any upside there he doesn't have a lot of speed so he's got decent size cody latimer is the type of guy because he is a savvy veteran could get in the mix at that at that starting outside line or outside uh, wide receiver spot here uh so he could certainly be in the mix uh see how he he meshes in this offense He's decent. Uh, and then uh, I think later in the year, as he gets more acclimated, I like Antonio uh, Gandy-Golden. If you look at his last few seasons at Liberty, he scored 10 touchdowns the last few years. Last year, he had 79 catches, 1,396 yards, and an average yard per catch of 17.7, you know, with the 10 touchdowns. He's a guy that's big. He's got a great size. So uh, he could be a guy that's another red zone threat opposite of Terry McLaurin. Six four, two hundred twenty three pounds. So the guy's got great size there. He still ran a four six, so he's not super fast off the the block, but he's a guy with more long speed with the thirty six inch vertical. So he can kind of hit you with those big plays down the field and hit you in the red zone. Uh, so I do expect him to come on. It might take him a little while. It's one of the guys you have to watch in the preseason and watch in training camp, see how he develops. But I kind of like him to compete for that starting uh, wide receiver spot.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting prospect, isn't he? Because he's strong, he's got good hands, caught a lot of deep balls, but he's not that fast. Um, He also broke some tackles. He had 33 broken tackles with 149 touches. Uh, And if 33 sounds familiar, again, that's that's the number of broken tackles that Antonio Gibson had. In only 71 touches. So, again, that just highlights how much of a playmaker Antonio Gibson is. Uh, And this is the group where it's going to be the real challenge, just keeping track of these Antonio G's. But one more way to keep Antonio Gandy golden separate in your mind is this guy is smart. I saw him on uh, SportsCenter, and he did a Rubik's Cube in under a minute while he was doing an interview on SportsCenter. The guy was just... Uh, it was really impressive. I've never been able to do one of those things, and he did it in a minute while doing an interview. So
1: so that's uh, a good sign that he'll be able to pick up on the offense, which exactly. tells me he can compete for the starting pre- uh, wide receiver position because I think that they just played Calvin Harmon just because he was just a solid fundamental guy. But Calvin uh, Harmon might just be a special team space now you know, and not play on the offense as much. But if you think about potential for a four-wide receiver set here with Terry McLaurin on the outside – OK, then Steven Sims Jr., who I said has some playmaking ability in the slot. And then you throw Antonio Gibson in the other slot, right, on the other side. And then you throw uh, Gandy Golden, who's a big, tall, uh, uh, you know, pretty good long speed guy on the other side. Right. That's a pretty good four wide receiver set there for the Redskins. And if Kyle Allen can, uh, you know, play good in this offense, he knows the offense. Uh, sometimes they will go forward wide receivers uh, uh, deep because they don't really have that many good tight ends anyways. Uh, and they want to get those playmakers on the field. So I do see some potential there in a game where they're down uh, by a lot to actually for Kyle Allen there uh, to produce uh, because he all he's got to do is hit these guys for a short pass. And when you got guys uh, like Terry McLaurin, even Steven Sims, and especially Antonio Gibson uh, with the run after the catch ability, those guys are playmakers. So that's the type of plays you want in DFS. It's guys that could take it to the house.
0: I like that visual of those four wide receivers. I think they need nicknames for Gibson and gandy Golden. I think they should call Antonio Gibson G and Antonio Gandy Golden double G. <laughs> so we get yeah. we we'll get or or two G. How about G, two G, McLaurin and Sims. That's our yeah. four wide receiver set. And you know, maybe we'll have a chance with that group to score more than sixteen points a game.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, if if they're playing good enough, they might be good enough to get nicknames. Uh, Terry McLaurin last year was kind of the combination of the, what was it, like F1 McLaren or uh, Scary Terry. And then most people kind of like the F1 McLaren a little bit better than the Scary Terry. It was kind of a cliche name there. Uh, So, yeah, you know, so, yeah, if they're playing good enough, they can get they can get some uh, uh, some good nicknames. And Antonio Gibson is certainly just going to be a fun guy to watch, you know. Uh, so it remains to be seen what his role would be, but I think his role is going to be everything. So literally you can't even, he's like positionless almost. I mean, I mean, who knows? They could run him in the wildcat, right? I mean, why not? You know, your quarterback's not good. I'll throw this guy in the wildcat all day, you know?
0: Absolutely. And yeah. as exciting it is as it is to picture that, that group of four, as we yeah. turn to the tight ends, not quite as much excitement. Uh, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, they've got the departures, uh, uh, Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed so is there any guy here that you're going to predict will step up and and make any sort of an impact
1: yeah like you said they lost Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed those guys were uh, Jordan Reed was was always a really tight end but he was always injured Vernon Davis was solid for a veteran but uh they're really on the, the top tight end on the depth chart who kind of came on last year uh got a lot of snaps played 15 games was Jeremy Sprinkle Uh, I don't really like him. I mean, he's going to be, you know, limited in the pass game. He's going to be blocking in line, uh, catch a couple short passes here and there. Uh, So I probably won't be sprinkling in any Jeremy Sprinkle into my DFS lineups there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I will either. Yeah, but the other guy that's under the radar that they signed to a free agent deal uh, that I actually really like is uh, Logan Thomas. Uh, I happen to know a lot about Logan Thomas. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so Logan Thomas was with the Lions last year, and he was buried on the tight end depth chart. Um, he was buried behind uh, T.J. Hawkinson and Jesse James. Um, but Logan Thomas actually uh, showed a lot in training camp, and in a couple games, he splashed as a receiving back. He's uh, as a receiving tight end, very tall and athletic. He's a former uh, college quarterback that was converted to a tight end. Uh, so this guy has a ton of athleticism. He's smart. He's, he's a solid football player, and I actually expect him to be a pretty good pass-receiving uh, tight end. So if you think about uh, Greg Olson or as Ian Thomas, he's going to play that role in the defense, and, and he can play big slot as well if you want to mismatch and put a big guy in there. And, again, big red zone threat, Logan Thomas. He did catch uh, some touchdowns last year. Uh, so that's a guy to keep your eye on. But other than that, you're not going to be targeting these tight ends as much. But I wouldn't forget about Logan Thomas. Okay. I think there's
0: just as much of a chance that Richard Rodgers will step to the forefront. This is a six-year veteran who hasn't done much the last two years in Philly. He actually only caught one pass. But there was a nice stretch there before that. In 15 and 16, he averaged 44 catches for almost 400 yards and five touchdowns. So we'll see if he has anything left in the tank. And then Thaddeus Moss is on the roster. He scored in that national championship game for LSU. Then he broke his foot, and uh, he's not unfortunately known as the speedster that his dad was. Yeah. He didn't He ended up catching forty seven balls at uh, LSU for five hundred seventy yards and four scores. Didn't have any drops, but didn't do a whole lot in terms of you know crazy route running, uh, making people miss after the catch uh but there's one more guy to watch on the roster
1: yeah if he can he might be able to make the team as a special teams contributor and being that they're they're not very deep at tight end you might be able to make it as like a tight end three to slash special teams guy and develop there so yeah he's got good bloodlines he's got good good coaching from uh, randy moss hall of famer so yeah that's kind of a uh, that was a good signing for them as a undrafted free agent. So they didn't have to spend a draft pick on him or anything. So, yeah, so that'll be an interesting group. Richard Rogers, I view him as more of a veteran presence. That's going to be more blocking. He's a solid uh, pass protect and run blocking type tight end. So, you know, again, he might sneak out for a couple of catches here and there, but I, I expect him to be a guy that they lean on for his, his veteran presence in the, in the blocking game for a tight end. I get it. He, he, yeah. he needs to clear
0: the way for Logan
1: Thomas. The, the Detroit man speaks again. Exactly. So this seems like a yeah, perfect exactly.
0: opportunity. Uh, Shane, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter.
1: So I am on uh, uh, DET Sports Shane on Twitter. So DET Sports Shane.
0: And you can find me at Language Olympic. You can find the crew at DFS Coach Talk. And as I mentioned, we have memberships available at DFSCoachTalk.com. And what we pride ourselves on is using the eye test, hand-building lineups, uh, and really breaking things down, uh, getting, getting an edge any way possible, uh, coaching strategies, all the different variables. Uh, we, we look at them all and uh, mix them up together to come up with our lineup. So uh, check us out there. Shane, before we go, we should just touch on the draft one more time. We've uh, talked about Chase Young. And uh, the big impact he could make on the defense, we've talked about these two offensive skill position players, G and 2G. Anything else you want to mention about the draft that Washington had this spring?
1: Yeah, I mean, just circle back to Chase Young. I mean, this guy was one of the best prospects to come out in several years terms of just having that elite bend off the edge and athleticism in the combination of size and physicality. So this guy should be able to come in and contribute right away and kind of learn right behind uh, Ryan Kerrigan uh, and the fact that they have Montez Sweat, who's also a physical freak. So I, I look for big things for Chase Young. Uh, we talked a lot about Antonio Gibson. In the fourth round, they took uh, Saquie Charles, who was a starting offensive line uh, tackle for the LSU championship team last year. Uh, Now he was suspended a few games last year because he had some off the field issues, some character issues, I think it was team violations. So he's a guy that uh, is a developmental offensive tackle that could play a backup tackle role and push for a starter role later in the year. Um, So I think with adding a little bit more strength and better technique in the NFL, this guy has pretty good size and potential uh, to play tackle or guard potentially. Um, so that was a pretty good pick if they can keep him in line because he did have character issues. Uh, this team since, seems to like uh, car- guys that have high upside with character issues because I remember Reuben Foster is another guy who was a stud linebacker who had character issues they took and he keeps getting injured. Uh, and Darius Geist, the same kind of deal, character issues and injuries. So we'll see how that goes. I hope it works out better than those guys did. Uh, and then we talked about Gandy Golden. Uh, other than that, nothing big. They took some more depth guys. Uh, So pretty solid uh, draft if you get a good contribution from Antonio Gibson and you get the uh, if uh, Gandy Golden ends up being a starting wide receiver, this is going to be a great draft because, you know, Chase Young should be a Pro Bowl caliber defensive end for years to come. Uh, And I think this is a team that could sneak up on people and be a little bit better than uh, people expect. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be great or make a run for the NFC East, but I just think that they're going to play teams. Uh, better than you think, and uh, with the with the changes that we talked about and the new coaching staff. Uh, but yeah, this season is going to be crazy, uh, just because the shortened off seasons and all the changes. But uh, that's what that's why we break down this stuff so in depth to find these hidden gems and to try to understand these teams' philosophies and how that affects DFS. You know, so yeah, it's it's you know as boring as it was breaking them down, it's kind of exciting now that we talk about some of these guys and talk about the potential uh, for some upside and uh, people that players that no one else was on. So that's where I'm looking at with the Redskins here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. So
0: uh, that'll wrap up the coverage of Washington. We're going to continue the NFC East talk tomorrow. Santino and I will be on for the next episode. And before we go, coach likes us to mention his favorite charity, Mamba on So feel free to give that a look. And that's going to do it on behalf of Shane Dwayne Haskins Caldwell. Okay. I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you for joining us and be sure to tune in again tomorrow for the next episode of DFS Coach Talk.